I went from, you know, straight up like $30,000 for the first dev job a year to 56 for my second job. And then I was only at that place for five months. And then I landed, I would say at that time, the biggest opportunity for me, it was the biggest opportunity. You know, somebody came in and was like, oh, here we go. You know, here's 75 grand to start. And I was like, yeah, within a year from 30 to 75. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. So today I have Will Fang, who is a product manager. And you got to explain what that is and give a brief introduction of yourself. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Uh, so whenever I explain to people what I do for a living, I tell them that I build software products because I feel like if I jump in and say that I'm a product manager, they're like, well, what is that anyways? It's like, well, I build software you know, products. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so right now I'm currently working for an organization that primarily focuses on corporate learning and development initiatives and how we take technology and kind of streamline the entire process from sourcing to procurement to really just creating a, a level of governance, visibility, and as well as, um, you know, providing these enterprise features back to Fortune 1000 companies. So that's what I do in a nutshell. Uh, prior to this, I worked in consulting primarily in the HR technology space. There's also been uh, a stint where I worked in publishing and working for, you know, just high growth, high valuation web applications, um, and as well coming from agency life. So that's, that's pretty much in a nutshell, like where I've started and, and where I've gotten to. And this is where I'm currently at in my journey. That's, that's cool. So let's kind of take it back. How was high school like for you? So high school was a very, very rocky, I would say, point in my life. I was a young man, probably too much testosterone, hanging out with the wrong crowd um, and just really not knowing, I guess, direction. Right. So um, my parents got divorced when I was a young kid, probably right, right around the age of seven. So, I, you know, for me, it was always like growing up, my mom's constantly working. Uh, so my brother and I just kind of hung out with a bunch of different people. So for us, it was more so like by the time I got into high school, you know, there's a lot of days that I skipped. I didn't want to be there. I wanted to just, you know, have a part time job and work. And honestly, man, it was it was not like it was not fun. It was like I had to work hard. I messed things up like the first year in high school, right? So I had to catch up to that and 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 make kind of like those wrongs right. Uh, and by the time my senior year came along, actually, you know, there was a situation where I actually got expelled from high school. So that was kind of my high school journey. And, you know, once I got expelled, it, I took a little bit of time to understand like the importance of what that might have, you know, just at least having that base layer of having some form of like high school equivalency type of, you know, GED, whatever the case is, I actually ended up getting kind of what that was, you know, once I got expelled from high school. Would you want to be in high school? To be honest with you, man, I don't know. Like at that time, like I really didn't know, you know, it, it was, it was one of those things that I think as a young, you know, 
adolescent teen, you know, you know that college is there, right? But the way I grew up and, you know, especially with a single mom who wasn't, you know, born in this country, she came and she moved here from a different country and worked hard her entire kind of adult life to support two boys. Um, you know, college was one of those things that it cost money, right? And it was yeah. just like, okay, well, you don't have access to that. So for me, I kind of like just weighed that option out. But then I also thought about like potentially joining the military. And I was like, uh, you know, this was like the whole 9-11 time. I was like, I'm not really trying to do all that. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, I didn't know, you know. So like at that time, I, I remember my senior year in high school, I was actually working at a hotel, you know, and I was like doing uh, I was doing room service. So I was like delivering food to and from, you know, like rooms here. It was a big hotel. It was like 500 rooms or something like that. And, you know, I was pulling tips and it was, you know, making good money at that time as a kid, you know, senior in high school. So money coming in, no necessary, like thought about, you know, my five-year plan or anything like that. I really didn't know what I wanted to be as an adult. Yeah. So how was it like that first job, you know, doing rooms? And you know, it's funny, like when you're in high school, like any job is like lots of money. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much it pays. It's a lot of money because you never had money. Yeah. So just talking about like work experience, like as a, you know, as a teenager, like actually my first job was, um, it was at Islands of Adventure over here at Universal Studios. Uh, I was, I was like 16. I was working part-time going to school and I hated working for like the theme parks, right? Because I had to wear like this, this funny like uniform and whatever. Um, so I actually got fired from that job. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I also like did like, uh, I worked for, there was a water park here called Wet and Wild and I was a lifeguard for a short stint of time. It was just like seasonal job. Yeah. And I also got fired from that because I was like out too late and I was on a post and I fell asleep in the sun, you know, my sunglasses uh-huh. on. So I got fired from that. But then I landed the hotel job, which was fun. And that was probably, you know, between junior and senior year in high school. And I actually worked that job uh, for about a year or so after that, after the whole high school situation. So working in the hotel is actually really fun because I got to meet you know, I, I would say that was the first time I got to meet different people from different types of department. You know, you're not just working with like front desk people or like chefs and cooks and and people in like the food and beverage you know section of the business. You're also like running into like the GM or, you know, like the marketing team and sales team within the hotel. And, and that was kind of like that first exposure to like cross-functional and what that meant, right? Being able to have those conversations with those types of people uh, in these different departments. So it was, I would say working at the hotel was fun and it transitioned from, you know, working as somebody that was in room service to actually bartending at the pool bar, which was also really cool, especially in Florida in the summer, the sun's out and there's a lot of uh, tourists out and, and stuff like that. It was a, it was a fun time. Yeah. So what came after the hotel job? Oh man, just a number of like random jobs. Like, so I worked at call centers that was kind of like the next thing I was like, man, I need to do a little bit, you know, I need to do something that was a little bit more professional. I've worked at, I bartended at a, at a billiard, like it was like a bar. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't, it wasn't my liking because first and foremost, like you had a bunch of people and they were like smoking cigarettes. I didn't like that vibe. Yeah. And there was always constantly like stuff that was happening within the bar scene that was just, yeah. you know, it's, it's like, it's stressful, man. And it wasn't like something that was like rewarding. And I was like getting home at like four or five o'clock in the morning after work. So that wasn't something that I wanted to do. So I ended up jumping into like the whole call center scene because it was like, you know, there wasn't like this maximum amount of requirements or like this entry to bear, you know, like yeah. to jump in. Right. So like 
it's just an entry level role. And it was like, okay, well, they paid, you know, solid, I would say for an hourly wage back then. And yeah. I like took on those types of jobs and realized that it was still hard to kind of like, you know, support yourself. So I did that. And then I remember I was like, okay, I need to do something. So I started going and diving into this notion of I need to go to college, right? I need to have a better career and I need to do something. So I ended up going to a community college here and I started pursuing that, you know, and I remember at that time, for some odd reason, I was, I was under this impression that I wanted to work in healthcare, right? And it was like, oh, you know, I like helping people, you know, and everything that I looked at within the kind of like the whole healthcare scene was, you know, it's like, oh, you need this type of certification or you need this type of uh, degree, right? And I was just like, okay, well, I'll go back to school for that. And I started going back to school for that. But then I ended up landing a job kind of just in the the whole admissions process of hospital systems for a company called Providence Healthcare. And I ended up working, you know, there at uh, like Southern California. I was like, oh man, I want to work and, and live in California. I think that that would be, you know, that would be dope. And so I ended up going there and I was just like realizing I couldn't afford to live in California at that time, especially yeah. as a young man. Right. So then I ended up transitioning to and living in Anchorage, Alaska. They actually have a whole Providence health systems there. I know they, I think they have like a location in like Seattle uh, and as well as like some parts of like Montana or something like that. But I was just like, well, let me go up to Alaska. And I ended up going to Alaska and working there for about a year and a half. And it was just different. You know, it was like, it definitely opened up, I think, my eyes to just, you know, different parts of the U.S. You know, California was very much so different than Orlando. You know, Anchorage, Alaska was very much so different than, you know, than both of them. Yeah. Right? Complete polarizing situation there. So, yeah. And once I was there for a little while, I was able to save some money. I was like, yeah, you know, this is where I want to be. I want to be in like healthcare marketing, blah, blah, blah. And I ended up going and finding a, a job at a, like a, it's a skilled nursing facility kind of like organization here in central Florida. And I wanted to move back to Florida because like, you know, all my friends were here, you know, there's just something that I was like really accustomed to. And I, you know, I was familiar with. So I ended up finding a job back in Florida and then moving back here. Okay. So what'd you do when you got back? I worked, I worked at the skilled nursing facility, man. And it was like, you know, it was, so my job at that time was to help the local community understand that we were the kind of go-to skilled nursing. So if you had, if you needed something in like long-term care, or if you needed like, for example, a dementia unit, like we had that available at this, you know, at this, you know, skilled nursing facility. And I was doing that. I was like going to the hospitals. I was talking to medical directors and I was working uh, within the local community just to, you know, understand like who's out there, like in terms of Medicare, Medicaid patients and who needs like that long-term care. The issue came in like that I ran into was that it was very much so profit driven, right? There's like this whole, there's this whole like mis you know, misperception of like, like not for profit, but technically they are for profit. So I was working in this setting and it's like, well, Medicare patients pay the most. So let's go ahead and get them through the door. Let's funnel them through the door. Uh, but if you had Medicaid or maybe you didn't have private insurance or self-pay or anything like that, and you couldn't afford that long-term care, but you needed it those people kind of just got put in like this queue yeah. and nobody would pick them up. And that didn't sit well with me. You know what I mean? So I remember being kind of like uh, having like these, you know, uh, just challenging conversations with like uh, the director at that time when I was working there. It's like, we need more Medicare patients with like X number of days that pays top dollar. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm like, you're a medical facility. 
you know, uh, you're supposed to be in the business of helping people recover or providing them that level of care they need until they can get back on their feet. Um, not necessarily, you know, jumping at the, at the site of like, Oh, like this hospital right now has like admitted, you know, a hundred Medicare patients. Let's, let's go after all of them. And then this other hospital might not have that. They don't have Medicare. They don't have solid insurance plans going to cover a hundred percent of this stuff. And, but they didn't even want to like entertain that stuff. So, yeah. So that's when I decided, like, I didn't want to work in that field anymore. I ended up looking at just a couple different options. I, you know, I've always like jumped at this thought about becoming an entrepreneur, you know, working for myself. So at that time I had some, you know, some pretty good savings saved up. And I remember I was like testing a couple of ideas out. And, you know, for me, it's like, I feel like everything that I've ever done, it's never something that like I focused on this and it led me to this. It was more so I was just kind of going with the punches, rolling with the punches with life. Right. Yeah. So I had money saved up and I remembered, (laughs) I remembered wanting to open up a food truck because in Southern California, the food truck scene was huge. Yeah. It's just like you look at Twitter and you're like, oh, okay, well, these people are going to be here today. So let me pull up and, and get, you know, tacos or whatever you're trying to go for that night. So I remember having a food truck built. I met a gentleman here in Central Florida who was like, he was notorious for building really solid food trucks. And I had a custom food truck built from this guy. And I started kind of like this, uh, you know, this 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 restaurant on wheels selling Venezuelan food, actually, believe it or not. Uh, so we did like um, arepas and like there's this thing called like cachapas, which is kind of like a corn, like think of a corn pancake with like Venezuelan, uh, like, you know, white cheese in the middle. It's really, really good. So we did that. And I was, you know, kind of catering to like the nightlife scene here and whatnot. Um, and then I realized like, you know, food and beverage is not what I want to do. Like it's yeah. a lot of work. I have to go yeah, to yeah. like the Costco's and the Sam's clubs and, and like the restaurant depots of the world to, you know, constantly buy food and prepare this food. And there's just a lot that can go wrong. It's also really stressful and chaotic. Right. To my luck at that time, um, there was a TV show that popped up. It became really popular. It's called The Amazing Food Truck Race. Okay. Right? And it was just like something that popped up. And I was like, man, this is kind of like my opportunity to sell this truck and see if I can kind of maximize my own, you know, my yeah. profits. And I remember posting it on Craigslist. And during that time, like, I think I had that truck posted for like two weeks on Craigslist. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I got a bunch of random, like, just calls that weren't serious inquiries. But then there was this one gentleman who lived in California and he's like, Hey man, you know, I really like the truck because it was a nice truck, man. I had it wrapped. There was like, um, you know, flat screen TVs mounted into the wall. And it it was, it was like a touch scroll menu, you know? Yeah. yeah. So people can kind of look through that. So it was like super cool. Just really, really nice. And he hit me up like on a Thursday. And then that Saturday I got a phone call. And this gentleman was like, hey, man, um, I'm actually over here on International Drive, which is a really popular kind of tourist yeah, destination yeah. in Orlando. You know, I would like for you to pull the truck up. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll meet you there. And then I ended up meeting him over there, like at a parking lot of a hotel. Yeah. And he took a look at it and he fell in love with the truck. And then he made an offer. And I was like, that was, you know, probably the most amount of money that I'll ever have at that point in time in my life. So I accepted his, you know, his offer it was on a Saturday and him and I went to my bank and yeah, I mean, it was a 20 minute wire. And then the next, thing you know, I had six figures in my bank account and it was just like, Oh, and I sold him the truck and he was happy with it. I was happy with the whole situation. And from there I started dabbling with a couple of different businesses. I ended up getting into 
uh, medical supplies, consumables and devices sales, like not necessarily the new stuff. Like I wasn't working directly with the supply chain at the time, but it was more so going to all these, um, these clinics and stuff that were closing down post 2008. Okay. So like, in, in like really rural places like Coatesville, like Pennsylvania, or like, you know, like Westchester, Pennsylvania, and like certain parts of like Jersey and, and whatnot, that was just like tiny towns. They had like, you know, offices and facilities that were closing down and they were liquidating all their medical supplies and consumables. Um, you know, if not, that stuff would have went into like, you know, uh, the garbage. So at that time, I think post like 2008, not too many people were like buying up stuff with cash. I think people were kind of a little bit more resilient on saying, hey, look, I need to hold on to this for a rainy day. Right. So I jumped into this whole business and I was like, OK, well, you know, I have 20 grand and I ended up buying this entire facility. And then I remember creating an online business, you know, just looking for buyers that were looking for like, you know, I don't know, like masks, all kinds of stuff, you know, and I ended up getting like buyers from like places like the Dominican Republic, Haiti or people from like Taiwan, you know, and just things that I was selling. It was crazy. It was like hospital systems here in the U S that didn't want to pay like $5,000 to like a company like Covidian for uh, like electro pads. They, you know, I had tons of those and they were, you know, they were selling, I would, you know, sell it for half the price of what, you know, a brand new box is technically it's still brand new box. It's never used. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up doing that and that did, pretty well for me. Like, I'm not going to lie. There was like that boost that I needed in life. Um, I was doing very, very well as an entrepreneur. And that was between, you know, 2009 to just about 2015. It started dying down. Like the, the bids got higher, you know, people were wanting way too much money. And I started realizing that the margins were a lot smaller. You know, you're doing a lot more work for a lot less money. So I ended up getting back into like the workforce and I started working for a company and it was like primarily sales, you know, and it was just like, getting on a call, talking to people, trying to sell them crap that they probably don't want or don't need. And I was like, man, I really hate this. Like I need to do something. I was like, okay, well I need to do something. So I started looking at like the company I was working at. They had a, I, you know, they had a, like a, like a tech team, right? Because they, they like managed all their stuff in, in house. It was like IT and web development, et cetera. And so I remember I started connecting with people at that company. I was like, Hey man, you know, can you tell me a little bit about like what you guys do? Because I always saw that they were like, you know, they were always having fun they, yeah. and they're kind of like part of the office. They had like the foosball table, you know, it was like the, the yeah, yeah. stereotypical, like, you know, dev room. Right. I was like, what the hell they have snacks. And I was just like, what is this? Because I'm stuck in like this dungeon, like with this headset on and we don't have any of that. So I remember talking to one guy and one guy was like, Hey, you know, this is what I do. He was a, he was a web developer. And, you know, he was telling me like what he did and stuff like that. He kind of gave me the scoop in terms of, you know, like his day to day and things like that. And I was like, man, this is what I want to do. And I put like two and two together. Right. I was thinking to myself at the time, I was like, tech is constantly growing. That's not going to stop. Yeah, and yeah. I started doing some, you know, just research, some personal research. And I started seeing like what, you know, the average salary or the requirements were to get a job as a developer. And it was just like, you know, nothing ever said having a college degree, maybe some of the organizations like the big ones, right? Like the more traditional banks and financial systems want you to have a degree. But for the most part, there was a bunch of companies like tech startups and stuff like that, that didn't need to, you know, didn't need you to have a degree. And then on top of that, they were offering like just, I don't know, crazy perks and benefits. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I need in my life. So I started going down this road. And, and, and really doing like some self like 
research of looking at, you know, what types of dev roles there are and whatnot. And I remember there was a guy that I worked with, um, not to throw names out there, but this guy, you know, he was like, I don't know, man, he was like one of those egotistical devs. And he was like, oh, you can't be a developer. He's like, you're a sales guy. You can't do this. Right. And it's just like, I see this a lot. Like we call those gatekeepers, right? You see it on Twitter all the time. And there's always content, you know, discussions about that. So I said, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. And I ended up, you know, getting books. And I remember I, I bought a book, right? It was like learn JavaScript. Yeah. And I remember going online and I had, at that time, it was like Team Treehouse was a big one for learning how to code. And then there was lynda.com, which is now LinkedIn Learning. So I had those two subscriptions. And then I, you know, found Udemy at that time. And Udemy, you know, there was like a bunch of people that had like kind of like these boot camp courses because there was also boot camps, right? Like the general assemblies of the world or the iron yards of the world. Where they were charging you like 30 grand for like six weeks of training. And I'm like, this is just like college and you're probably not going to get a job after, that. you know? So I was like, ah, I don't have 30 grand to sit here and shell out for a course like that. And let me go ahead and put heads down and take some time off and train myself or learn something. I remember back in high school, I took a course. It was a business essentials course. And there was actually a part of that was HTML and CSS, right? And I took that. And I remember even like, I don't know if you remember, there was a social network called Zanga. Yeah, yeah. I remember Zanga that early before the MySpace days was MySpace exactly. and Zanga. Okay. Exactly. So you had to have a little bit of CSS skills to like make your web page cool. Yeah. You know? So like, I remember I was like, okay, let me do this. I could do this. I know I can do this. I did it like without any type of training in the past, just doing it for social media to, you know, to be like, oh, look at my, look at my page. So I dived in, I learned HTML5, I learned CSS3, and then I learned a bit of JavaScript, but more so as jQuery at that time, right? That was the library that I was using. And then, you know, it was like 90 days in, I started going to a local meetup here. Was, you know, the dev kind of meetup here in Orlando was pretty solid at that time. There was a lot of good people there. And I, I networked and I met a lot of good people. And I think that people were able to see kind of like that conviction or that passion to really want to jump into the space. And then I remember uh, an agency here kind of took a, they took a leap of faith with me. You know, they said, you know, what do you have? I said, well, I have this portfolio. These are all the things that I built. Here's my personal site. I used, you know, and at that time it was like name dropping, right? Using keywords, like I use bootstrap CSS for the front end, you know, it has, you know, HTML form validation right here. And it's just like, I threw all that stuff out there and they, they saw that I was like taking the, the steps to becoming a dev and they actually gave me my first job. You know, it's just like, uh, and that was like the biggest thing to me at that time, landing my first role as a front end web developer at a local creative agency that primarily focused on building websites uh, for uh, realtors, realtor offices and, and small businesses. And that really kind of just, you know, started, you know, I started from the very bottom. I actually left a, a, a cushy sales job. It was paying me pretty well, but I hated it. And I took a huge pay cut in the front, like up front to take this dev job. I was like, look, I'm going to take this, you know, this loss up front. I'm going to be a dev and then I'm going to push forward because I know that all with all these like jobs that are out there and my uh, persistence to wanting to con constantly succeed for myself. Um, is there. So if I put in the work, put in the time, continuously learn, continuously network, I'll get there at some point. So I ended up 
you know, at this agency and believe it or not, I wasn't at that agency that long, but it did teach me uh, a lot. So I worked there for six months and then I boosted myself to another agency here in Orlando uh, and pretty much almost doubled my pay. Wow. Yeah. So like I went from like, I, I was like the skills that I was lacking, Git, GitHub. Okay. Never worked in a repo before, like at that time. Right. I was just like, um, you know, just understanding like, the, you know, how to push code up to a repository. Uh, There's other things too, like WordPress. Like, you know, I didn't know that it was an industry standard to use WordPress as a content, you know, content management system and and build sites. So then that way, you know, your non-technical stakeholders can sit here and add content, right? So I learned like the ins and outs of like WordPress and some other things uh, and tools that would just kind of like make me successful. And I landed this secondary gig at another agency. Once again, it was just like focused on like, you know, uh, small, medium-sized businesses and helping them put up, you know, a, a marketing site essentially. But I went from, you know, straight up like $30,000 for the first dev job a year to 56 for my second job. And then I was only at that place for five months. And then I landed, I would say at that time, the biggest opportunity for me, it was the biggest opportunity. You know, somebody came in and was like, Oh, here we go. You know, here's 75 grand to start. And I was like, yeah, within a year from 30 to 75, I was like, yeah, "Yeah, that's big. It's huge. And then I also, at that time, I got to work with big, you know, bigger clients. It wasn't small, medium-sized businesses anymore. It was Fortune 1000, Fortune 500 companies. So when we think of like big brands like uh, Nestle, you know, the Netflixes of the world, like I had the opportunity to not only help build, you know, like solutions to a lot of their, you know, their, their HR or internal communication processes, but I also got to consult with them. I got to be on phone calls with them and and things like that. So that was like a huge catapult in my career, right? It just like propelled me to uh, the next step. And then after that, you know, I, I want to say about close to two years, I was there for close to two years as a developer. And then I got picked up by a company called Red Ventures, which is based out of um, like that whole Charlotte, North Carolina area. And they're huge. I mean, you know, you're talking about like a 20 plus billion dollar company privately held and it's, you know, founded by two gentlemen you know, on like, I think it was like a $30,000 investment, but now they own, you know, high growth, high valuation sites like CNET, like Healthline, like Bankrate, the points guy. And I mean, it's just phenomenal to go from working on super small projects for very small businesses to a web app that has like, let's say a half a billion dollar valuation. For me, that was like the highlight of my career is like I was working on, you know, bigger, solving bigger problems. And you know, I think that when you think about like the implications or the repercussions, if you make a mistake as well, like, you know, you had to take that stuff into account, you know, you're working on huge teams. Like, I mean, my personal team at that company was like, I think we had like 55 or 56 people that's devs, designers, content writers, you know, business operations, people, executive VP people. Like there was a lot of really, really smart people that worked there. Oh, that's amazing. So now you're kind of in the, in the web development space, you did all that. Now, when do you sort of move, you know, upward to something bigger? Because a lot of people tend to stay that way, right? Or maybe they'll come out manager. How'd you sort of become like a product manager? Yeah, man, that's a good question. So my personality is like, and you know, I think that we kind of set the stage, right? Yeah. Like I've always jumped from one thing to another. I never knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I think that's primarily because I kind of, you know, struggled with my personal identity of like, what do I want? Like, what is maximum achievement for me? 
right? Success. What? Is, how do I define that, right? Like, I don't want to just be stuck in one role. And I felt like front-end web development, becoming a front-end engineer, it, it, it started becoming monotonous. And what I mean by that is, like, I was constantly building the same kind of components, having the same types of discussions. And I didn't find, like, that level of passion when I first jumped in as a developer, right? I went to all the conferences and stuff like that and had like really awesome conversations with people and built some really cool things. Uh, even outside of that, I was contracting and working on big, you know, problem sets with people. But I became just like, I was like, ah, I mean, I have to build another carousel or I have to, you know, use this, you know, library to build these types of components again. And it was just like, I didn't want to do that anymore. So I started struggling with that. And then I started looking at other things in the industry. I was like, you know what? Let me diversify my skills. You know, I thought about becoming potentially a designer, you know, and, and start going down the whole UX, you know, strategy and, and really just using the tools that designers use, you know, because I already have that UI component to my career, right? I understand what it takes to build solid UI components. So I, you know, decided going down that route and I was like, ah, I don't really, I don't know if that's me. You know, I don't really want to do this. And then I started going down other routes like SEO. Um, what else? Yeah. Um, like conversion rate optimization and, and things like that. And, and I remember when I was at Red Ventures, I wanted to go back to being remote because I was working for, you know, uh, my previous company before that I was remote for about two years and working at a massive, massive like campus and, and dealing with like office politics and all the different personalities on a day to day basis. And also, too, I was kind of out, out of my element living in Charlotte, North Carolina, because I had to move there. I didn't necessarily want to be up there anymore. I wanted to move back to Florida. I decided, one, I wanted to be remote. Two, I needed a change in my career. So the relationship that I had with the founders of my previous company were looking to productize uh, essentially all their HR solutions that they were building for these companies, right? So we they recognized that you know if they created a tool for let's say employee engagement, uh, that not just one company would use it, you know, multiple companies would want to use it. So they wanted to productize things there, and they said, hey, look, you know, I remember having a just a random conversation because. Uh, my former CEO, he was in Charlotte speaking to Bank of America at the time. They were looking to close a deal or something like that. And he, you know, hit me up and he was like, hey, you know, how have you been? I'm in your kind of your neck of the woods. I just want to check in on you and see how you're doing. And I said, I'm doing good. You know, I'm thinking about going back, you know, to being remote. He's like, you know, we're looking for a couple of roles here, you know. Um, and he was telling me, he's like, you know, if you want, you can come back as a product manager. And I was like, well, what, you know, what's a product manager? <laughs> Right. Like, I never really dug into it. Like I know we had product managers at the company that I was yeah. at, but I never really like drilled into it, you know, and then started looking into it. You're like, well, what is a product manager? What's a program manager? Or, you know, and obviously I know like what a project manager is, but I started digging into it and I was like, I really like this, you know, like I've already worked in the, how do we go about building this? You know, why don't I go into the, the portion of the business and understanding why we're building this, you know, whether that's conducting market research, having those feedback calls, um, and really just understanding people's pain points with what they're doing and connecting the dots and identifying how we can solve that to provide that maximum value to those users, right? So I ended up going back there and I was there for a stint of about three years, you know, just focusing purely on doing that. It was just very much so B2B, you know, we're, we're solving B2B problems. And I got the opportunity to work on that stuff. And then comes, you know, to the fact that, you know, post-pandemic, I was like, you know, I need to go after more. It's like, I love that company that I work for, but the, the growth opportunities I've, you know, I've plateaued. It's not a big company. You know, it's a consulting firm, very kind of like flat structure. 
I wanted to go out there and just kind of see what else I can do to change it up. And I remember, you know, jumping to a company called Wishlist, which focuses on employing, uh, employee recognition and total rewards, still in the HR tech space. Uh, and they were solving that, you know, through SaaS. And so, like, I was able to go there. And now I'm, you know, at the company that I'm at now, which is LearnNexus. And looking at it all in hindsight, I didn't know what I wanted to do as a young man. I didn't know what I wanted to do in my early 20s. Things kind of just unfold. And then you find an opportunity to do something. You apply your skills and your knowledge and your grit, your persistence to pursue it. And you can technically do whatever you want. And it's funny because I got hired back on as a consultant by the same sales company that I hated the job at the very beginning of 2015. Okay. That developer was still there. The guy who told me I couldn't do it. And it was my job to fire this guy. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It became my job to let this guy go because he was so toxic. And this is what it full circle means, right? I came back in and it's like, oh, well, you know, 2015, it's like, oh, you can't be a dev. You're just a salesperson. Well, I am a dev. Now I'm consulting for the company that I once worked for because I know how to hold and manage relationships, you know? And then it's just like, I had to let the guy go because he was so toxic. And yeah. it's just like, wow, well, this is where we're at now. You know, I'm, in, I'm a product manager. And I think that for anybody jumping into this space or just any space for that matter, like if you're looking for an opportunity to do something like tech, uh, I tell people all the time is one of those roles, like one of those career fields that you can reinvent yourself over and over again. You know, you can start off a developer today. You can be a product manager tomorrow. You start off as a, a UX researcher one day, become a product designer, or even going into product management. You know, I mean, it's it's constantly, man. You can change it up anytime, whenever you want. And you can fire people who tell you no. So that's the beauty of tech. That was the turning point for me. I was like, you know, I've been in this space now, like, you know, from like 2015 to now, right? It's like seven going on eight years. And it's like, I've been able to do a lot. Like even like the contract stuff, like sometimes people ask me, oh, are you contracting as a PM? Uh, One gig, yes. The other one's actually SEO. So I've been kind of focused on helping another org that I used to work for, you know, in their SEO efforts. But once again, it's a very different role than what I do on a day-to-day basis as a product manager, you know? Um, But it also helps me. I think that having a lot of that experience, I'll tell you, not knowing what I wanted to do, kind of help me get to this point where I'm at because I can provide a variety of perspectives, right? I could jump into a, uh, a, an engineering call and discuss, let's say, quality versus speed when it comes to software development and what the implications are, what the trade-offs are, the pros and cons are. You know, I can go into um, a call with front-end developers, identify things that we're not doing well because I can go into the code. I can pull the repo down. I could you know, I could spin it up and, and look at it. Like I still have those chops to do that, but also as well from like a, maybe a product marketing perspective, like what are we looking to achieve on that end? What is uh, a company's inbound strategy look like? Because I have the ability to do that, whether that's SERP analysis or, you know, looking at like different long tail keywords or like how many backlinks a company, you know, has, or like what the keyword difficulty is for a very specific keyword that we're going after. Right. And then and that forms a content strategy. So like, there's a different variety of different things. And, and, and same thing is like as a developer, I could put together the whole A-B testing, you know, and, and put the script in on, on the application side, but then even going back and setting up a test, like being able to do that. So it's helped me. Not Being unsure of myself has helped me in my career because when I jump into some of these interviews, it's like, okay, well, 
you know, here's the product management side of things, but here's the ability to do this and, and that. And believe it or not, man, at startups, it, it really does help because they want you to wear multiple hats. You know, they're running lean. You know, they might need somebody that has that ex- experience or expertise, but they don't have enough, you know, monetary resources to pay an additional person to do that just yet, right? Because your your your, your product hasn't gained traction yet. You know, there's no there's no market penetration. You haven't really made money yet. You know what I mean? So being able to jump into those scenarios and, and lend your experience or uh, expertise has also really helped me out. So you've had a lot of, you know, just a lot of experience. You've done a lot of things right. Now, in your mind, what were some of the mistakes you've made? Oh, the mistakes I've, let me see. As, as a professional, the mistakes that I've made is one, like sometimes, you know, the self-doubt stuff, like the imposter syndrome stuff is real, even to this very day. You know, sometimes like I'm under like this, this weird notion that if somebody works at like a, like a fang company, like, you know, an Apple or an Amazon that they know more than me, that's not necessarily the case. Right. I think I bring a lot to the table. I, one of the biggest mistakes I've made was when I see people like that. And if I'm in the same room, sometimes I take a step back and I don't speak up and, and it's, I don't know, maybe it's because I was conditioned that way, but I would say that was probably one of the mistakes that I made in my career, not speaking up when I need to, or if I knew the answer, not speaking up when I should have you know, about certain things because I felt like somebody else's like experience or somebody else's, um, you know, resume kind of just nullified what I had to say as an, uh, as a professional. And I, I want to tell people this, like, it, there's no wrong answer, right? There's always ideas in this space. Um, and sometimes the most far-fetched ideas are sometimes the solution to the problem. You know, like there's this thing called moonshots, right? Like, I think that when it comes to like formulating ideas, like you don't want to be scared to do that. I think that was one of the biggest things that I would say was a big mistake for me. Another mistake, and this is going to really kind of focus in on people that are looking to become a developer, is identify the companies you want to work for. Okay, identify the stack that they're working in, or identify like for example, like if you're looking to become a front end developer, and you want the easiest barrier to entry. You know, you're probably not going to go out there and learn some obscure framework, right? Learn the basics, learn the HTML, learn the CSS, understand not just the the breadth of that, right? Saying, oh, I know CSS, but learn like maybe the methodologies behind CSS and what makes it more efficient or like the top, you know, level uh, CSS, you know, frameworks or libraries, right? Like Tailwinds or Bootstrap and really understand that technology and then move to the next one, right? There's three components in web development. You have, you know, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, especially on the front end side. And if you are looking to become a back end developer, then pick up a language, you know, like PHP is the most prominent one in the, in the workforce. If you want to get a job, learn PHP, like bottom line, that's going to help you automatically get a job because there's so many jobs pertaining to, you know, PHP or.net, uh, you know, just something and stick with it. My biggest thing in the beginning was like, I want to learn everything. But then you realize that there's like thousands of programming languages and, and tools and, and things that frameworks, you know, and, and libraries out there that you end up getting lost. And then you, you're not really doing anything for yourself, but getting stressed out. So, you know, pick something, pick the ones that, you know, the jobs, like I'll tell you right now, like if you're looking at front end, JavaScript, React, Vue, um, HTML, CSS. Oh, that's great advice. Yeah. And no, thank you kind of for sharing. So has the lack of a college degree ever held you back for certain jobs or anything like that? No, man. No. Uh, you know, I'll tell you right now, like I know how to like kind of like stay in my lane, right? Like I'm not going to go out there to like, I don't know, like let's say I, I don't want to put any like... Like a bank or something. Like yeah, a bank. like a financial yeah. system or like going back to healthcare, right? Where they were going to require you to have a four-year degree. 
I actually went back to school after the fact to get like a two year degree. And I yeah. realized like that was, oh man, that was a waste of time because I could pick up like five Udemy courses and yeah. really know what's what I need to know now. Right. Because yeah. when I did that at this state college here, I was learning like Microsoft Access and VB.net, yeah. which are no longer valid. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it wasn't stuff that I needed. Like I needed stuff like pertaining to like, you know, like MySQL and writing like, you know, very yeah. like, complex queries. Like that stuff wasn't going to help me. And I, I did it just to do it, but it wasn't like valuable to me. So realistically, not having a four-year degree or not even having that two-year degree because I got the job first and went back yeah. for the two-year. Okay. Um, it's never held me back. And I'll tell you right now, like, I get it. You know, some people want to jump directly to Fang, you know, Fang companies. That's their goal. Like, you know, and that's cool. It's good to have those goals and aspirations. There are so many other jobs out there that are really, really good jobs, you know, that are looking to disrupt uh, just archaic ways of doing things uh, through technology. And there are endless amounts of opportunities. And it's never stopped me from getting a job. You know, like, for example, the company I work now, you know, my CEO went to like uh, Yale and Columbia. I did not. Okay. But he relies heavily on me to put together the enterprise piece because of my experience, because of my ability to look at things from a different, completely point of view, you know, like different perspective. Yeah. And it's worked out well. You know, it's the same thing with my last organization that I worked for. I don't have that degree, but I, I'll tell you right now, like the, the level of uh, work ethic and persistence and, and willingness to jump into the deep end and identify those problems and solve it um, and work, you know, collaboratively with people has really helped me. So no, it has not stopped me and I'm continuously, you know, growing and, you know, just to, just to give you even like, you know, more context, like you know, being offered the ability, you know, the opportunity to interview with a big fan company without having that four year is a big deal. So now, what advice would you have for an 18 year old who sort of wants to go down the route you did a little quicker, right? So they want to become a product manager that has the sort of the web development background. For somebody that's 18 that has like some of that web development background, you know, I would say take a look at the industry as a whole. Identify maybe the, the sector of business that you want to work in and just start doing things that'll get you there, right? I think that with product management, and I see this a lot, like it, it requires a level of at least experience to understand like what you need to do, like how you identify your customer, how you think, you know, in terms of the users and then how you solve those problems. You know, start connecting with people, you know, ask questions. Be very calculated in what you're doing, you know, in terms of what you're learning. And there's a lot of different roles out there that can help you get to this point, right? If you choose not to go to college and you're 18, it might be challenging to go directly for product management right up front because you don't have that experience, but then you already identified your constraint, which is experience, right? So go out there and get other experience. You know, there's other, you know, opportunities and jobs out there that give you tangible goals. Become a UX strategist. Go down that path, become a product designer, become a web developer. All those different jobs can lead you to product management. Just because you don't get that at 18, because you lack the experience, say, okay, well, I need experience. So let me go ahead and go out there and learn how to build software, learn how to design software, uh, You know, go through the concepts in identifying problems, user problems, right through UX research. 
There's a lot of different ways. And I'm telling you right now, there's people, and I know people that became software developers at 18, right out of high school, you know, because they had that know-how. They went, you know, they coded as a kid and, you know, had enough talent to get a job as a web developer or a software developer. Uh, they could pivot at some point, you know, at 21. It's like you know, between 18 and 21. Now you have a few years of experience. Um, and if you've already been in that kind of that, that, that work environment where you're collaborating with product managers, ask your product manager questions, you know, set yourself up for success. There's a number of ways to do it. You can't just jump in. Like, for example, if I started playing basketball tomorrow, I can't play for the NBA. But if you're 18, you know, a kid and you're looking to play for the NBA, there's obviously ways for you to, to build up your, your, your skills to get to that point. That's a dream and a goal and an aspiration that you have you can pursue it. It just takes different, different steps to get there. So. Yeah. No, thank you. That's phenomenal advice. Now, if you could talk to your 18-year-old self and your 18-year-old self is in 2022, what would you tell him? I would tell him, man, everything's going to be all right. Like, I think that my biggest concern at that time when I was 18 was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do or how I'm going to get there. Because, you know, I had so many things against me. Like, I didn't have the money. I didn't have the resources, right? To get there. I think I would go back and tell my 18-year-old self, hey, look, take a step back, chill, you'll get there. Just be who you are and, and keep on pursuing what you feel like you want to do with your life. I think that the only thing that stops us as human beings is ourselves. You know, we sometimes we get our, in our own heads, like whether that's like, oh my gosh, I'm an imposter. I can't do this. There's too many smart people and people quit. Be persistent. You're going to get smacked, you know, and life's going to hit you really hard. You know, you just got to keep on trucking forward and, and take those hits, roll with the punches and, and just keep doing you. Yeah, that's great advice. So let's start to wrap up. Is there anything you want to share that you haven't shared already? I don't know. I don't think so. I'll tell you, man, like I really enjoy being in this space. I really enjoy, you know, meeting people like yourself or just other people that have maybe a, the same kind of situation, right? Like they're trying to jump into tech. They don't know how. Take that first step. Do some research. Look for the companies you want to work for. You know, uh, start learning the technologies that they use or the tools that they use ask questions, connect with people on LinkedIn and Twitter. People are a lot nicer than, you know, some people think, yes, we do have like people that are kind of like standoffish or what we call gatekeepers, but just keep, keep pushing forward. You know, I think that the more you want something, the more you'll, you know, you'll, you'll be able to achieve it if you continue, you know, to focus on it day to day. Yeah, no, that's great. So how would people sort of connect with you? How they support you? Yeah, man. Uh, so if, if you're looking to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter. I haven't been active as of late because I've been primarily focused on work. Uh, but Twitter uh, handle at, at Will, F-A-A-N-G, Will Fang, yeah. uh, just like the Fang companies. Uh, and same thing with LinkedIn as well. Okay, cool. So I'll have that in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time. This was such a cool episode. It's been great hearing your journey. I wish you the best of luck. And I know that you're going to keep on doing bigger and better things. I appreciate it, John, man. Thank you so much for having me. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook, at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J O 
N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.